There's going to be all kinds of things in life for you to get angry about. But you're not going to stand out in the way Jesus wants you to stand out by being angry. Now, standing out for Jesus in his way, he desires, and it's accomplished by choosing to be a certain way. Now, choosing to be has kind of the idea of how I'm going to live, what I'm going to be like. This is the person I'm going to be like. So we're going to really focus in on this word be, who I'm, who I, and this is, and the thing about this is you can choose to be this way. And this is a choice you have to make to be this way. Now, um, I am going to, have we got some verse, the verse that we're, the verses we're working on, have we got those tonight? Um, uh, and we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 3, 8 through 22. Now, we're not going to read that whole thing because if I read that, half of you are going to go to sleep. <laughs> You're going to cut out on me. So I've highlighted some things here out of this passage that talk about standing out for Jesus and the best way to do this, or Jesus' way for us to stand out for him. And the first thing is where the Bible says here in uh, verse 8, and it goes through 12, and we'll talk about this, but I want to focus in on, you should be of one mind, living like brothers. This is a choice that we make. We should be like brothers and sisters. And the first idea is to be like-minded. Now, this doesn't mean we all talk alike, we all look alike, we all smile alike. No, you are a unique person with unique gifts and abilities and unique talents and unique, you come from unique backgrounds. And all of that stuff the Lord will use. But if we're going to stand out for him, we've got to be like-minded with each other. You remember I said to you, I didn't know how to live and, and, and nobody ever told me this is how you ought to live. I just kind of felt, you know, kind of felt my way through that one. But I want to give you three basics from this chapter. And the first one is to be like-minded. Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35, he said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how we stand out for Jesus. It's by our love. That's why you want to bring your friends who don't know Jesus to meetings like this. You want to get them around your other Christian friends, and they can see you loving one another because this doesn't happen outside like this of the kingdom of God. One of our greatest witnesses is the love we have for one another. And Jesus said, people are going to know that you belong to me if you love one another. And being like-minded begins with sort of the overarching thing of being like-minded is loving one another. It's a decision. You know, some of us are just not real lovable either. And there are days when I'm not. There are days I don't like me. Anybody else like that? You know, I wouldn't deal with me today. You know, I feel like wearing a t-shirt warning. I'm in a bad mood. Or, you know, watch out. But, and I don't always like some of my Christian brothers, but I care about them. I love them. And being like-minded, the, kind of the idea here is uh, committed to, to one mind, to get together on how we're going to treat each other. See, in this passage, it's going to talk about how we should treat each other. And, and like-minded is we're going to decide together 
that this is how we're going to treat each other. This is how we're going to be. This is how we're going to act. And the Lord gives us a way to do that here. And like-minded doesn't mean, again, that we talk the same, we walk the same, we dress the same. But it does mean in our uniqueness, we have decided to be like-minded in how we're going to treat each other. So what does it look like? Now, um, verse 8 through 12, but verse 8 says, to sum up, this is talking about all the things he's talked about up to this point. To sum this up, you should all be of one mind, living like brothers, with true love and sympathy for each other. Generous, courteous, at all times. Never pay back a bad turn with a bad turn, or an insult with another insult. But on the contrary, pay back with good. Next slide. For this is your calling, to do good, and one day to inherit all the goodness of God. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now, I'm going to break these down for you. What, is this, what does this look like? How do we put a pair of blue jeans on this and walk it around the room? Well, the first one says to have true love and sympathy for each other. That's a weird word. I got the true love thing, but the sympathy thing, what does it mean I feel sorry for other people? Well, actually, sympathy means here more the idea of feeling their feelings, being willing to walk in their shoes. Um, kind of like if it happened to them, it's happened to you. That you care. You're soft-hearted. A lot of us, as life hits us, because life's going to hit you like a hailstorm sometimes, or like constant rain. And your tendency is going to be to have a thick skin or a thin skin and a hard heart. And what you need to have is a thick skin and a soft heart so that people can't hurt you to where you're reacting all the time. But as we take the blows of life, we tend to thicken the skin around our hearts and the skin around our outside gets really thin and we're really easy to hurt. So this idea of true love and sympathy, you got that? It's like feeling, if you hurt, I hurt. If you were done wrong, man, I understand, dude. Identifying with each other. Now, that doesn't mean we... Uh, encourage people who are always feeling bad, okay? Some people are like that. Eeyore, <laughs> and you want to encourage those people. You know, you don't want, anyway, moving along, I better go away from that one. <laughs> the next one is generous. Now, generous can mean a lot of things. Generous with my time, generous with my money. If somebody's broke, and I've got a little extra, I want to help them out. You know, people that are believers in the kingdom of God, nobody should be destitute. Now, sometimes they are because they just won't work. But we ought to be, it's the willingness to help meet whatever need that this person has, to take care of them. Now, the person who never takes care of themselves, that's kind of on them, okay? But we need to be generous with our time, with our treasures, with our abilities, 
with our relationships. You know, if you, you're dealing with someone and they're having a certain problem and you know somebody else could really deal with that better, then you connect them. That's generous, is thinking about others, that kind of idea. It means more than that, but not less than that. The next one is courteous. <laughs> Are you courteous? Yeah, that's not a word we really use. But courteous, the idea here is to respect and deal with others with consideration. That I respect you. I don't look down at you. I, I want to build you up. You know, one of the goals that I have with my life is to always leave people better than I found them and to leave places better than I found them, to try to encourage people, to try to have a word of encouragement for them no matter what. One of the ways I do this is just by calling people at the restaurant or behind the counter by their name. When you call them by their name, it changes your relationship with them immediately. So I don't always do this, but my desire is to leave people better than I found them and to leave situations better than I found it. That's somehow courteous, respecting. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Um, let me see here. Well, this one I think is pretty easy to understand. Never pay back a bad turn with a bad turn or an insult with another insult, you know? That's the idea of uh, do unto others before they do unto you. Or somebody hurts you, you're gonna hurt them back. This is not good. And see, standing out for Jesus means we're going to be like-minded. We're, we're going to make a commitment to live different. If somebody hurts me, I'm not going to stab them back. And that's a decision that you have to make. And by the way, you'll have to make it once and then about a million times before you, well, maybe even more, before you go to, get, to see Jesus. Our tendency is to want get back, not get even, but get ahead. That's part of the old person. And see, these are choices you'll have to make. You make the big choice. We'll talk about that some more in a little bit. But you'll make the big choice, and then you get to make all the choices as it happens. Just to not get back at people. Not to hurt them like they hurt you. But the contrary, to pay back with good. Well, I don't like this one. You know, somebody hurts me. Well, at the very least, I just kind of want to write them off. I may not want to hurt them back, but boy, I'm not going to give you a chance to hurt me again. And there are some situations where you don't need to stay in a situation where people are constantly hurting you. So when I'm not talking about that, because there's some situations there are people who are, uh, you know, they just, one of their arms is a sledgehammer. And every time you're around, they hit you in the head. We need to avoid those people. But you want to give good back to evil. And that's the way we can decide to be. It's not always easy, but with the Lord's help, we can be this kind of person. Then the next one is to refrain his tongue from evil. Now, this is a very interesting one in that um, questionable, questionable words or language. You know, we, we tend to like to get as close to the way the world talks without saying the same thing. Freaking. <laughs> what do you think I'm really trying to say there? But I'm not saying it. And I want to challenge you to think different about your language. Your language means something. I remember my, my interns, I had several interns, and one of them came in the office and said, that sucks! That just sucks! And I said, what do you think sucks refers to? We didn't have to define that because they went, oh, 
And you want to think about that. And Ephesians 4.29 says, and I had to memorize this one because I talk a lot. <laughs> Proverbs 10.19 says, where words are many, transgressions unavoidable. He who restrains his lips is wise. When you talk a lot, you're going to offend somebody at some point just because you're talking too much. And I've had to learn to refrain on that one. And also this Ephesians 4.29, which says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. You want to clean up your act there, gentlemen and ladies. Just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you want to do it. You know, when you encourage people, people don't get offended by that. If you don't cuss, they don't go, you're a weirdo, you don't cuss. Well, they might, but they won't be offended by it. And you want to think about your language because this is how you're communicating. And you represent Jesus. And so, you know, if there's a word that you don't want to say, but you know, it, just be careful with this one. And you can choose to be different. And we love each other by our language. I'll get away from that one. And then the other one is speaking guile. Speaking guile. When did I last use the word guile in a sentence? <laughs> like never? But it's there and it means something. This idea of speaking guile is really being a person who's duplicitous. Now there's another big word for you that you don't use. But the idea there is being two-faced. You're up to something other than what you're saying. You're acting one way, but you're really another way. That you're not being straightforward with people. You're not being honest. That's guile. Guile is being duplicitous. Guile is being two-faced. Guile is being the person who tells one person one thing and another person another thing. Guile is you trying to get two people to fight with each other. By what you, some of you have that. You do that. You tell one person one thing, and you tell the other person the other thing, and pretty soon they're at it. And they say, so-and-so is to blame. I didn't do it. You see, the Lord knows what you're doing. And the enemy does too. And you want to make this commitment to be like-minded, to not be two-faced. Everybody hates a two-faced person, except the person who's doing it. Have you ever had that happen to you? Someone used you, or they told you one thing when they really meant something else? None of us likes that. And then it says, turn away from evil. That's the idea of just wrongdoing, doing the wrong things. By the way, cheating is bad even if you don't get caught. You know? Did you break the law if you didn't get caught? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and if you think you're not, you're just playing games with yourself. See, there could be a lot of things in life that you won't get caught on. But if you continue in that evil doing, that's who you'll become. And see, we want to we be like-minded. You know, if you're into some things that are evil or you're questioning that or wondering about that, ask somebody else. Get another opinion. 
figure that out because you want to move on with Jesus. Remember, when I was first a Christian, who I looked at, how I was supposed to act, were other Christians. And they were doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I looked for the ones who were doing what I wanted to do and got in behind them. Must be okay, God. I better get on. Then it says to do good. You know, just figure out a way. You just do good, man. Just do what's right. Make it a pattern to do what's right. That you're going to live right. You're not going to live wrong. You're going to do right by others. And then seek peace and pursue it. You know, go after it. Try to create peace among people. So the first thing is we want to be, 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 act like-minded. We're not clones. We're all unique and different, but we can be like-minded in that. We're going to make this commitment to each other to be this way. The second thing, if you're going to stand out for Jesus according to what's in these verses is you want to be completely devoted to him or to Jesus. Verse 15, the first part of it says, simply concentrate on being completely devoted to Christ in your hearts. Be completely devoted to Jesus. And you know, this is something that you, you, you commit yourself to and then you recommit yourself to daily, basically, moment by moment. Because what I'm really deeply committed to is me. That's my default position. I don't have to decide to be devoted to me. Every one of you is devoted to you. You may not like you, but when it's time to eat, you make sure you're there. And if somebody cuts in line in front of you, woe to that person who did that. And see, I want to change that devotion to Jesus. And that's a decision that I have to make. You have to change the way you see Jesus. Now, there's an interesting verse in 2 Corinthians 5.16 that says, and it's talking about becoming the new person. You see, when you gave your life to Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. God has given you a new identity. He's put you in his witness protection program. You are a new person from the inside out. Now, you can act like the old person, but you can never be them again. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Now, I can act like the old person, but I can never be them again. I'm a new creation in Jesus. And right before this, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Then this worldly point of view is kind of the idea of not special, kind of like everyone else. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Once I did think of Jesus this way. And I think back on my life before Jesus. I mean, when you want to curse, you use Jesus' name. What's up with that? Where did that ever come from? I think the enemy might have a part of that. But, you know, people use it all the time. It's as if Jesus is not special. You know? I don't use your name when I'm cussing. So I don't treat Jesus like everybody else. You know, Jesus is my friend, but he's also the living God. And I need to think about him differently than I did before. 
because he's not just anybody. He's not just one of the ways to God. He's, the, he's God in the flesh. And I need to be devoted to him. And that begins with me changing my perspective of who he is. You know how when some famous person walks in the room, you go, huh? well, in a way, that's how we ought to think about Jesus, is a holy, huh? wow, he is my friend, but he's way beyond that. So you want to change. You want to be completely devoted to him. And the idea here is he's your Lord, your boss, and your CEO. He's not just anybody. He's not just a stakeholder in the John Strapazon company. He's the CEO. Now, I don't always act like that, quite frankly. I'm learning. I'm getting, maybe I'm getting better. Some days I'm better. Some days I'm worse. But I've made that commitment to where he's going to be the CEO, and I'm going to keep pushing for that. He doesn't have a stake in my life. He's got all the stakes. He doesn't have shares. He's got all the shares. So he is the boss of my life. And, and here's kind of what it looks like, okay, on a, on a daily basis. It looks like what we find in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, as I allow Jesus to be the CEO in my life, I'm going to trust more in him. That's what it looks like on a daily basis, is to trust in him. And I'm learning to do that. I don't do that perfectly. I will not do that perfectly until I see Jesus. But I want to be bent in that way. You know, if I fall down, I want to fall down that way. I want my life to be bent toward God. And that's a part of having the devotion to him. That's what it looks like. There are other verses, but this is a great one for that. Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And all the things, and there are all the things of life, if you look at the verses before that. But my bent is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I'm playing for him. His name's on my back, not mine. And again, that's something I decide, and then I have to decide that almost on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. But I've made, again, I've made this commitment to be this way, to be completely devoted to him. And when I'm not, I ask him to forgive me. I'm going to teach you something I didn't plan on. Paul, how are we doing time-wise? I think this will be helpful to you to be devoted to Jesus your whole life, to walk with him until you go home. And this is it. It's based out of 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9 says, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, sin is sin here. There's no levels of this, okay? Because sin is basically all of us doing what we want to do rather than doing what God wants us to do. Some of those have different consequences, but they're all sin. You know, if I lie to you, I lose your friendship. If I kill you, I get a prison ministry. <laughs> different consequences. It's both sin. So know that there's some sins that have greater consequences than other ones. They just do. And um, so this is it. 
you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now here it is, it's a little jingle. I like jingles, they get in your head. And this is one I think can get in your head. It goes like this. When you mess up, confess up, get up, and move on. You see, it's not an if, it's a when. Now, I don't want to sin, but you know what? I just do. Sometimes it comes and finds me. Sometimes I seek it out. So it's not an if. You see, our tendency is, now, now again, I don't want you to think, well, I can go ahead and sin. You know, the Holy Spirit will deal with you on that. But when you mess up, you don't give up and bail out. Or you don't sort of stop and put yourself in the corner and beat on yourself until you feel better, and then you get back in the game. Actually, when we do that, we are spitting in the face of what Jesus did. You may be disappointed in yourself, but I can tell you Jesus isn't disappointed in you. He knows you, and he knows me, and he loves me anyway. So when I mess up, the first thing I want to do, when I realize it, when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on that, the first thing I want to do is to confess up. And then get up and move on. I don't punish myself. That doesn't work. And it's an affront to God and what he's done. And it doesn't work. You know, because when you're mad at yourself, you're weird. You treat other people weird. You treat your family weird. And they're all wondering what's going on. They're all getting punished because you're punishing yourself. Stop it. So when you mess up, what do you do? And then what do you do? And then what do you do? You move on with God. And if you will apply that one, you will walk with Jesus all your days. But if you don't, you'll get sidetracked by stuff. You'll get disappointed in yourself and you'll bail out. And you'll whine in the corner. And I'm not saying you don't need to clean up. Sometimes you'll need to clean up stuff and you don't need to act differently. But when you mess up, what do you do? And move on, yeah. Somebody write that down. Hang on to that one because you're going to need it. You may need it five minutes after you leave here. I probably will because I'm just not all I'm going to be someday. Now, being completely devoted to Jesus is one big yes. Yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. And it's a bunch of little yeses when I'm tempted to trust myself and when I do, when I'm tempted to do the wrong thing and when God says, trust me in this, this is a little yes. But that's what your life's going to be like. It's one big yes and a bunch of little yeses. It's two steps forward, one step back. You know, and if I'm going to get over there to this guy, I can get there. Two steps forward and one step back. Don't be surprised when you mess up. Just get it right with God. I can guarantee you, he's not surprised you did that. He's not going to be like, oh, you did what? <laughs> he already knew you were going to do it anyway. Now, I don't know how all that works, but I know it to be true. So it's one big yes, followed by the willingness to make the little yeses. And you want to settle this. You want to point your life, your life in that direction. You want to point your life in being devoted to Jesus. And you can do that. See, these are things we can do. We can be like-minded. That's a choice we make. We can be devoted to Jesus. That's a choice I can make.
And then the final one is be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have within you. If you're going to stand out for Jesus, you want to be, you, as a group, you be like-minded. You love each other. You care for each other. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. By the way, you love each other. You get people around and let them taste of this love. They rarely have tasted of that. That's, Jesus said that's one of our best evangelism methods, is to get people around. So he said there, all men are going to know you're my disciples by how you love each other. Bring people to this. Come, but try not to come on your own. Bring somebody. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? They say no. Okay. You got to get a thicker skin. So be ready to give an answer for the hope. Be ready at any time, the Bible says here in verse 15b, it says, be ready at any time to give a quiet and reverent answer to any man who wants to know the reason for the hope that you have in you, within you. Now, we, need, we, we have to define this word hope. Let us figure out what that is. And I'm going to make a run at it, and this might, might not be all of it, but it, it, maybe it'll help you to take it farther. <clears throat> now, hope, the hope is talking about here isn't, I hope that somebody gives me a new car. <laughs> it's not that kind of hope. It's hope that's based in something I know is going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. I'm hoping for that. I'm not hoping against hope, but I'm hoping in the Lord and what he's going to do. It's a, it's a different definition of hope than we're used to, but it's, um, it's expectation. It's not I hope so. It's anticipation of what's going to happen based on what has already happened. You see, this idea of sharing the hope that's within you, it's, it's kind of like what's going on in your life because of Jesus that gives you hope. What has he done in your life that gives you hope? You want to tell people that. I was like this, and now I'm like this. There was a, there's a story in the Bible where, where Jesus has, hired, has healed this guy born blind. And the Pharisees are all freaked out about that because that's not supposed to happen. That can't happen. And he says, well, I don't know. But once I was blind and now I can see. You guys figure it out. <laughs> you know? And, you, this is, and this is also the difference he's made and how that happened. This is the hope you're sharing and what you're sure is going to happen. That's hope. That's what you have to share with people. The hope that's within you. What God has done, and what, because of that, what I know he's going to do. Jesus said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Stop living like he will do that, because he won't. It doesn't feel like that to me. Well, guess what? Your feelings are not the ultimate example of what's right and wrong. They will fool you. Hang around a little while and your feelings will change. They might be better, they might be worse. But this hope idea is what God has done, which has caused me to now anticipate, have expectation for what he's going to do.
the hope that's within you. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace in which I now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God that one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to wrap this all up. I know it's been a long time. The Bible tells us a day is like a thousand years. I mean, a thousand years is like a day to God. And that hope is there. You want to stand out for Jesus. Stand out by being like-minded in the way that you treat each other. Making the decision to do that. It won't be easy. You'll have to work on it. You're going to mess up. And what do you do when you mess up? No. No, 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 no. Man, I was told the Chico State students were the sharpest students in California. So what do you do when you mess up? Yeah, there you go. All right. You see? And we boast in the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that one day he is going to be on his throne and I'm one of his kids. And he's going to take me with him. I hope in that and I believe that. And if you're going to stand out for him, number one, you're going to have to decide to be like-minded. And that's something you decide to do. Number two, you're going to have to decide to be committed, to be committed to Jesus. To be completely devoted to him. Now, completely is a big word, and I'm not sure I ever will get to that, but that's my target. I probably won't get there until I see him, but that's my target. I'm going to fall that way. I'm going to bend my life. I'm going to shoot my life that way. And then third is to be prepared to share the hope that you have in you. I'm going to make that decision. That's how I can best stand out for Jesus his way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you, Lord, that when we mess up and we get it right with you, we confess up, <laughs> that we can get up and move on because we're new and we're right with you then. Sometimes that doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes it don't feel like that, but it's true. And it's a part of the hope we have in you. And so we're grateful, Lord. And God, I pray for these people. I pray, Lord, that they would have an understanding of how much you love them and how much you are on their team. You're pulling for them. You're cheering for them. You like them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.